Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass, as he, referring to Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Leprosy, very contagious disease. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It was not only contagious, but it was fatal. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. One thing to be healed, it's another thing to be made whole. So this morning we want to speak on this subject, whole in one. Whole in one. Should get an amen from all of our golfing good folks out there. Whole in one. Let's pray. Lord, thankful to be in your house. Thankful for this atmosphere, this presence that you have allowed us to come together in, to worship you and to glorify you. Now, Lord, as we open up your word, open our hearts and minds to receive it, and we'll give you praise and thanks for all things. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I begin today with a Thanksgiving poem. When I was a young turkey, new to the coop, my big brother Mike took me out on the stoop and he sat me down and he spoke real slow. He told me there was something that I had to know. His look and his tone I will always remember when he told me of the horrors of Black November. Come about August, now listen to me, each day you'll get six meals instead of just three and soon you'll be thick where once you were thin and you'll grow a big rubbery thing under your chin. And then one morning when you're warm in your bed, in will burst the farmer's wife and hack off your head. Then she'll pluck all of your feathers so you're bald and pink and scoop out all your insides and leave you lying in the sink. And then comes the worst part, he said, not bluffing. She'll spread your feet and pack you with stuffing. The rest of his words were too grim to repeat. I sat on the stoop like a winged piece of meat, and I decided right then on the spot to avoid being cooked, I'd have to lay low and remain overlooked. I began a new diet of nuts and granola, high roughage salads, juice, and diet soda. And as they ate pastries, chocolates, and crepes, I sat in my room doing Jane Fonda tapes. I maintained my weight of two pounds and a half and tried not to notice when the bigger birds laughed. But twas I whom was laughing under my breath as they chomped and they chewed ever closer to death. And sure enough, when Black November rolled around, I was the last turkey left in the entire compound. So now I'm a pet in the farmer's wife's lap. I haven't a worry, so I eat and I nap. She held me today while sewing and humming and smiled at me and said, Christmas is coming. <laughs> Indeed, Christmas is coming. Well, hopefully we're a little smarter than the common turkey. But human nature does have a fatal flaw. We focus on the possible failures of the future rather than the certain victories of the past. 
Having received what we need, we move on, now completing the miracle with proper thanksgiving. The ten lepers that were, were healed received their physical healing as they went, letting us know that, that victories are based on obedience. If they had not made their way to the priests by faith, they would not have been made clean or physically healed from their leprosy. So they had to obey. Most of the time, the focus of this story is on the nine that did not return rather than the one that did return. Just like a pastor who will often focus on who missed church rather than who was at church or the father of a prodigal son will focus on the one that left rather than the one who stayed. We know we should be different, but our nature seems to draw us to the examination of what is missing in our life rather than the thanksgiving of what is abundant in our lives. How many of you can raise your hand and say you've got a lot to be thankful for? The Bible says the one that returned was made whole. This is more than a physical healing. This is an emotional healing. This is a spiritual healing. This is a wholeness, a complete work. I'm glad that we serve a God that not only gives us the promise of heaven and not only can heal and often does physically heal our bodies, but I'm glad that we serve a God who can also wrap his arms of love around us and heal us emotionally and psychologically and mentally and he can make us whole. There, there are a few things in the New Testament that surprised Jesus. He seems to have known what was going on before it ever happened. But in this instance, our, our Lord registered surprise. And that's fascinating to me that Jesus registers shock and surprise with those that ought to show gratitude but did not show gratitude or did not take the time. In verse 17, Jesus asked where... Um, are the ten, were they not cleansed or where are the other nine? Even he seemed surprised. This was, this was not, I don't believe, a, re a rebuke by Jesus as much as it was a disappointment that they, the other nine, were not in a position for wholeness because if we are going to be whole, then we have to develop an attitude of gratitude. And until you get a, not just once a year thought of Thanksgiving, but until we have a lifestyle of Thanksgiving, a lifestyle of gratitude to say, I'm not going to focus on what has been taken. I'm not going to focus on what is lost. I'm going to focus on what is left. And I'm going to give God praise every day that I live. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When you decide in your life you're going to get up every morning and before you turn on the news and before you get busy with your emails, you said, I'm going to give God some praise and I'm just going to thank him for opening up these eyes of mine. These lepers were more alike than they were different. And we are more alike than we care to admit. We, us, humans, the emphasis in our culture is on our differences but have you considered our similarities? First of all, the Bible says we're all born in sin. Now, I know we all may look different and, and uh, we may have different backgrounds, but we're all born in sin. We all need Jesus. We all breathe air. We all need sleep. We need to eat. We love. We hurt. We laugh. We cry. We feel sadness and sorrow, joy and happiness. We are emotional and we are spiritual and we are physical and we are social beings. We move away from pain. We move towards reward. We believe. We rejoice. We shout. We are created equal and yet we are not all made whole. In fact, it would appear, even if we followed the percentages of the one that was represented in this passage of Scripture, that the vast majority of us are not made whole. But yet, there is the one that the Lord said, your faith hath made you whole. 
You see, it takes a little bit of faith to pause and say, I'm going to give thanksgiving anyhow. It takes a little bit of faith to think back over this year or this week or this month and say, I can point to a lot of things that went wrong. But you know what? I can point to some things where I see the hand of God. He has kept me. So I'm going to take some time and pause and I'm going to return back to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I give you thanks. I just want to come back into your presence one more time and say, thank you, Lord. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I've got a lot to be thankful for. A heart of thanksgiving separated the one from the nine. The, The heart of thanksgiving is what separated nine that were healed from one that was made whole. But there was really a lot of things that that show how much these 10 were like. First of all, they were all lepers. They all suffered from the same dreaded disease. They're all facing the same ghastly death. They're all being buried piecemeal by the same horrible grave digger, This, this disease called leprosy that literally would eat at their members and eventually fingers and limbs would fall off. They were lepers. They were they were outcasts. They were shut out from the consolations of church and friends and home. They are abandoned bits of human wreckage fit only to be flung prematurely into empty tombs. And the one, to all appearances, is just as hopeless as the other. But that's not only where they're similar. They're also alike in their desperate determination to live. Though they seem hopelessly doomed, they refuse to give up. They were determined not to meet death halfway. Faced by grim tragedy, they would not take it lying down. They gamely refused to die until something would actually kill them. I like that. I believe God like that. I believe God loves a brave fighter that says, I'm not going to just lay down and die. I'm going to get back up and I'm going to find a way to get to Jesus. Jesus. I've heard that he's a healer. I heard he's the great physician. Oh, what's the possibility? What will it hurt? Let's find Jesus. These men are full of battle because of their desperate determination to live. They are common in that. They're also common in that they all possess faith in Jesus. This is evidenced by what they do. When they hear that Jesus is coming their way, they all go out to meet him. They perhaps had heard strange rumors that had been blowing about the countryside with regard to this man. Some were saying that he cared for folks as none other ever cared, that even outcasts were were not cast beyond his interest. There were those who were daring to assert that he had even touched lepers and, and healed them, and now they were clean and they were pure. These wild and and unbelievable rumors had come to these 10 lepers. And of course, uh, they found it hard to believe, no doubt. Uh, But in spite of their doubt, oh, sometimes you got to move uh, toward Christ in spite of your doubt. It's not impossible. In fact, it's very probable for us to have places and times and circumstances that that brought doubt into our life. And perhaps even today, we're the result of accumulation of doubt. But oh, down below the doubt, there is a heart that wants to believe. You were created in the image of God. You have the thumb stamp of God upon your life. He created you in his image and he breathed into you the breath of life and you have a measure of faith. The Bible said it's given unto every man to have a measure of faith. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. Everybody in this building has got the common denominator that we believe. You would not be in this building if you did not believe. And so in spite of our doubts and in spite of their doubts, they believed, all 10 of them, they believed so firmly that they go in a body, in a group, in search of this amazing physician who had given them hope. Their faith is also indicated by the fact that they not only go in a body to meet Jesus, but by the further fact that when they come as close to him as they dare, they appeal to him for help. They are men of prayer, every one of them. They know how to ask in such a fashion as to win the victory. They had to come and stand afar off because of their disease, because of the contagious nature of their disease. But thank God they made their way there. I'm glad you come to the house of God today. But it's not enough to just be in his presence. It's not enough to just be on the perimeter of his presence. They begin to cry out. They begin to let their voice be heard. Oh, hallelujah. 
I pray that you will not die in silence, but that you will have your voice to be heard, that you will cry out from the wayside as blind Bartimaeus did. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm glad these 10 lepers, uh, I'm sure it was an embarrassment for them to even get to Jesus. Uh, but when they got there, they began to call out to him. You know why? Because they were men of prayer. They believed that if Jesus would just hear their cry. Oh, the Bible said the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. But I've come to tell you that he hears the prayer of a sinner as well. Their prayer seems marked by a beautiful humility. They do not ask for mere justice. They do not ask to be blessed in proportion to what they deserve. In simple faith, they plead, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Oh, my friend, when you want to come to the Lord, you can't come in pride. You've got to come in humility. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. You got to see that every one of us are are uh, dealing with uh, spiritual leprosy because we are born in sin, and leprosy is a type of sin that slowly eats away at all of us. It isolates us. It causes us to lose the dignity that we have. Sin is a destroyer of the human dignity. It destroys our self-esteem, and it causes there to be gaps and holes and crevices in these bodies and in these minds and in these emotions. But I've come today with a word from God. There is a master, and he is near you. And he can do more than just heal your body. He can make you whole. Hallelujah. Well, I'm thankful that God can heal our bodies. But I'm more thankful that he can forgive my sin. Woo. But it requires somebody crying out. Jesus. Master, Woo. sometimes you got to cry out. I need your help, Lord. Not only do these men pray, not only do they cry out, not only do they believe, not only do they make the journey, but the single greatest ingredient that is common to all is obedience. This is indeed the supreme proof of their faith. When they succeed in winning the attention of Jesus, he does not cleanse them at once. He rather gives them a somewhat bewildering command. He tells them to go show themselves to the priests. Now that is what a leper would do after he had been cured. Because it was the priests who determined if the leper was clean enough that he could now be integrated back in society. It was the priests that gave the negative COVID test. that got them out of quarantine. And Jesus told them, go and show yourself to the priests while they still had the scars of leprosy, while the digits were still missing from their hands and the toes missing from their feet. He's told to go well, they're still loathsome with this disease. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord will ask you to do something before the blessing that you would normally do after the blessing. There is a revelation. If you can get this, it'll change your life. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's what it says. Give and it shall be given unto you. Don't give when you hit the lottery. Don't give when you get a promotion. Give and it shall be given unto you. He doesn't say wait till it's given unto you and then give. Give and it shall be given. Sometimes you got to step out in faith and you got to do it on the way to your miracle. Woo, praise before the victory. Prepare for the miracle before there's any evidence of the miracle. You don't wait until the baby is born before you get the room ready. You prepare in advance. Why? Because you believe how futile and foolish it must have seemed to these 10 lepers. But of course, nothing can come of it. We're just going to obey because we believe. Go and show yourself to the priest looking like this. 
There's no words. The Bible doesn't record any of that conversation. Maybe they just thought it in their heads. Maybe they didn't even have that thought. Maybe they knew it would happen as they made their way. But somehow, in our humanity, I think there was something that required their faith to override their logic. It required them to obey even when it didn't make sense. How many of you know that sometimes you got to obey even when it doesn't make sense? Sometimes, you know, kids will say, well, why do we have to do that? I remember growing up, I used to always remember my mom saying, because I said so. And that would never seem like a good explanation to me. They were trying to teach that sometimes obedience is better than sacrifice. As Samuel was trying to tell Saul, he had a case he was trying to make as to why he had offered the sacrifice before Samuel got there. But Samuel said, you should have just obeyed Saul. It wasn't for you to replace obedience uh, with your own cognitive development. Sometimes you got to just obey and believe, even when it seems futile, even when it seems like it's some kind of a fool's errand. These guys couldn't believe that Jesus was merely mocking them by sending them on this fool's errand. They obeyed because they believed. Finally, they are alike in that they all find healing. How hopeless they seem as they set out upon their journey. But they've not gone far before something begins to happen. And ladies and gentlemen, always remember the path of obedience is forever the path of healing and the path of discovery. It came to pass as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. Sometimes you don't ever know what's going to happen. You just get up and you get ready to church. I'm going to church. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know, but it's time to go to church. Sometimes you just go to prayer. You're not sure what's going to happen, but as they went, sometimes just in your walk of faithfulness, a miracle takes place. Woo, hallelujah. I was talking to a, a brother uh, a couple of days ago. I was having lunch with him. He's a, a minister and his family, they've moved into our city. And, and he was telling me about how um, a little over a year ago, they had found something wrong with his liver. And they said that he only had, um, I think it was six uh, months to live. And, and so uh, they got everything together and got all their life insurance policy and so forth. And they got ready for what was going to be the inevitable uh, death. He was just a young man, just in his late 40s. But there was the doctor's report that, that he uh, would not make it. And so uh, they uh, said, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're just going to uh, go to this church. And it was a great Pentecostal, United Pentecostal Church down in the San Antonio area. And we're just going to go and, and uh, we're just going to believe that, that God will work out. Whatever happens, happens. And there wasn't a, a, a faith healer. There wasn't a big tent revival. They just went to church. And, and like they normally would. And uh, the next day, he had a doctor's appointment and, and all the numbers that are supposed to uh, be at around 20 or whatever were uh, normally in his situation were way up to 500 because of the disease or whatever he had wrong with his liver. I don't even know the details of it. But here's what I do know. He said, I just went to the doctor on Monday and they said the, the, the liver, the numbers are 21. It's right where it's supposed to be. And and what have you done different? He said, I didn't do anything different. I, I go to church on Sunday just like I normally do. Sometimes it's just as they went, they were made whole. They said, well, you can go home and it don't look like you'll die of something, but you're not going to die of this because this is fixed. I don't know when, how. All I know is that as he went, he was made whole. He was healed. I've come to tell somebody in the midst of your faithfulness, God can heal you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I feel like speaking a word of faith right now to some people in this church that are battling cancer and battling sickness. I come in the boldness of the Holy Ghost to declare you will recover in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As they went, they were cleansed. This is true of the Samaritan, was also true of his companions. All feel new life pulsating in their veins. Each looks with wide-eyed wonder into the face of the other. Seeing what he feels is too good to be true, yet knows is true, both for himself and for his fellows. Thus we see that they are alike in their need, alike in their eagerness for help alike in their faith, 
alike in their healing. But here, their likeness ends. Here, they come to the parting of the waves. Having been healed, what do they do? This, ladies and gentlemen, is still the same way today in the 21st century. What happens after you are healed? What happens after you are touched by God? What happens after you've been in the presence of the great God? The road divides after the miracle. Common bonds are broken in the celebration that follows. Human nature gathers the majority, but spiritual insight comes to the few. Let me say that again. Human nature gathers the majority, but spiritual insight comes to the few. They stand upon the highway just long enough, I imagine, to realize the marvelous change that has come to them. Then with feet that are made nimble with joy, they continue their journey. Oh, I've not seen my farm for a whole year, says one as he hurries away. I've not been to my place of merchandise for even longer, says another as he follows. It's been a weary months since I felt the hug of my wife's arms and the kiss of my children, says another. And then he too is off. And one by one, they all have good excuses. They all have good reasons to get back into their way of life. And so they hurry away and soon the road is empty. No, that's not quite true. It's not exactly empty because one man is left. He's looking up the road where his companions have just vanished. There's a tender joy in his face, not unmixed with bewilderment. I too have a business that I've not seen for many months, he murmurs to himself. I too yearn to see again those that I love. But there is something even more pressing then all of this, I must first go back to the man who has cured me, who has given me back my life and tell him of my appreciation. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have all encountered God. When you were born and you breathed your first breath, it was a miracle. But when a man has a free human will and now you've got a choice, it's those that return back to an altar, to the feet of Jesus, that are made whole, that are not just healed, that are not just given the miracle of human breath, but are made whole. It's the ones that return. Sometimes you got to get back to an altar. Sometimes you got to get back to a place of thanksgiving. Sometimes you got to get back your attitude of gratitude and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. He's been so good to me. Woo! I know I say it a lot, but I believe it. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, and all he's done for me. My soul cries out hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Is there anybody in this house that's thankful that the Lord has saved you? Woo, hallelujah. Give me five more minutes and then we'll have a time of Thanksgiving. So he turns back. Mm, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He turns back, even though he has to turn back alone. Many times the road to Thanksgiving is lonely. Our itchy ears would rather hear the critic, the sensational, rather than the sacred, the grit and the grime, rather than the gratefulness. Or maybe we too are grateful but we're more busy than we are thankful. We're more in a hurry than we are in love. Because I'm gonna tell you something, love will move you to appreciation beyond the hindrance of inconvenience. Because if you're in love, it's not an inconvenience. 
I said, if you're in love, it's not an inconvenience. Oh, my friend, when you fall in love with Jesus, you don't care what you gotta do. You don't care the changes you gotta make. It's not inconvenient, because I love him. This one, this Samaritan, he makes his way to Jesus and in, a, in an atmosphere of abandoned gratitude, falls down at his feet, giving him thanks. It's worth knowing a little bit about this man, though they don't name him, says he is a Samaritan. But he towers above his companions as pikes peak above a molehill. But why is this the way it is? What made him different? First of all, he understood the difference between reverence and worship. There's a difference between reverence and worship. They all gave reverence to him. They all called him master. They all stood at a distance. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Ghost to understand a sense of reverence when you come into his presence. Something in you, me, and something in all of us wants to hallow him, wants to honor him. But we can feel reverence for God without moving into the realm of gratitude for God. I've been in places, as I'm sure you have, where you felt reverence without gratitude. In Belgium, a number of years ago, my father and I traveled uh, into the country, uh, way out into the countryside, and found a, a large church on the bank of a, of a river with an enormous cemetery. And I, I walked among those graves, and we sat in that church with the light shining in from the eastern window and splashing on those 1,000-year-old pillars. And as we sat there, there was a reverence. I've stood in the massive cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris where perfectly stillness in, is, is rudely interrupted by that 6,000 pipe organ that booms from the bellows shaking the massive pillars and, and you have to sit down because you're overcome with awe. But I cannot say that in my heart I suddenly felt gratitude. It was just reverence. I, I've been several times to the Westminster Abbey in London where so many of the illustrious of England's history is buried. I have been filled with awe but not necessarily thanksgiving. Reverence is not gratitude. I respect God. I fear him. But I will only worship him when my heart is filled with thanksgiving. There's a difference between reverence. You can reverence the house of God and take off your hat when you walk into church. But oh, there's something different when you take the mask off of your heart and you say, I'm gonna love you. I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I trust you and I love you and my heart is filled with thanksgiving. Oh, I feel gratitude rising in this Religious observances or reverence, but true gratitude comes from the heart, springs up from your innermost being. This one man that returned, he understood that recognition was not gratitude. They all recognized his person and his position. They stood at a distance and cried out with a loud voice. They tell us that lepers often were reduced to a kind of croaking whisper as that horrible disease ate away at everything in their body, including their voice box. For them to make the effort to cry out with a loud voice was a maximum effort of urgency. But not only was there urgency, but there was also accuracy. They called him Jesus. They called him master. But it's not enough to know him. You gotta know how to thank him. What good is doctrine without worship? What good is theology without thankology? <laughs> oh, you can know the Bible from cover to cover, but until you know the author of the Bible. You can quote the scripture, but you gotta know in the midnight hour when there's nowhere else to turn, there's a God that will come to your aid. And so I thank him because of who he is. 
There was a man that read through 700 pages of the writings of Thomas Aquinas, the great theologian of the Middle Ages. In those 700 pages, he did not find one expression of gratitude, although he found a great recognition of the nature of God. You can know the nature of God, but you've got to know him with a heart of gratitude to say, God, I'm going to worship you anyhow. When I don't feel it, let that word marinate in our minds and hearts for just a moment. Hmm. Jesus. Mighty God. this whole place an altar wherever you're sitting if you want to come down to the front if you want to stay in your seat if you want to stand up whatever you got to do we got to all examine ourselves right now and repent turn this whole place into an altar right now
Bible says that this man that returned was a Samaritan. The text tells us that this location was between Galilee and Samaria. The indication is that these lepers were from both regions. Samaritans did not live in Galilee. They were considered unclean by their very nationality. This man is described as a Samaritan. Even Jesus called him a stranger. He was double unclean. He was a leper and a Samaritan. The others were most likely Jews from Galilee, Hebrews. From that perspective, they would have had the most to which to give thanks to God for. They had the temple, they had the oracles of God, the law of Moses. They are the covenant people. They are the people of the highest religious privilege. Then there was the leper. That was a Samaritan. Socially, religiously wrong in their eyes. Religiously wrong because he worshipped in Mount Gerizim in Samaria. Samaritans didn't worship in the Jerusalem temple. The leper was socially wrong because he was an outcast. He was racially wrong because Samaritans had mixed Hebrew blood with that of the Assyrians who had invaded Samaria. Socially, religiously, racially, from the Jews' perspective, the leper had little to thank God. The other nine had much to thank God. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the irony of this story is that the other nine were probably pleased when he separated himself from them and they went on their way. Thank God that Samaritan's not with us anymore. In that sense, the one who had the least to thank Jesus about thanked him the most. So often the case in life. The ones that had the most to thank God for chose not to. The Samaritan leper did not have a sense of entitlement. He didn't feel like anything was owed to him did not feel a loyalty to the Jewish hierarchy. His appreciation was greater than his allegiance. And you may feel today that you are without pedigree. You not only have a sinful nature, you have a sinful heritage. I've come to tell you today, you are not less in the eyes of God. You are in a perfect position to be made whole. To be made whole. The only thing you have to do is return. That's what being in church and being at this altar is all about. This is the altar for Samaritans and lepers. This is the altar for sinners and saints. It's a place of healing. It's a place of wholeness. It's a place of salvation. And I wonder now as we close if everybody in this building would stand to your feet. And I know not everybody can get to this altar, but we can all get to his feet by lifting up our hands and our voices and saying, Lord, you don't owe me anything. But I've just come to say thank you, Lord. I've just come to say thank you, Lord. You don't owe me another breath, Lord. You don't owe me another day on this planet. But God, we've just come today to say thank you, Lord. We don't offer it, Lord, just as lip service with our mouth. But we say thank you with our lifestyle. We say thank you with our attitudes. We say thank you, Lord, by our faithfulness. Come on, all over this building, lift up your voice one more time. And declare with an attitude of gratitude. You've been so good to me, Lord. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, that's it. You've done so much for me, Lord. I cannot tell it all. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
I give you thanks, Lord. I give you thanks. I give you thanks, Lord. I give you thanks. We're nothing but lepers, Lord. We're Samaritans, Lord. We have no entitlement to your presence. But we're grateful, God. We're so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of all the glory. All of the praise. Lord, we give you thanks, Lord, we give you praise. When I think about you, Lord, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Lord, you picked us. You turned us around, Lord. You placed my feet, yes. We shout unto you, Lord. We shout it unto you, Lord. to you, Lord, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your love that has spoken through your word and through the gift of prophecy. Chasten us, Lord, to warn us as a loving parent to prepare us. Lord, we commit that we will receive that word into our heart. We will be careful to give you praise. One day very soon, we will be caught up to meet you in the air. Till then, Lord, we commit to spend every day giving you praise and glory. While we have breath, we will bless the Lord at all times and in every circumstance. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. amen. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? God bless you. You're dismissed.